0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of This Show is All About You, a show uh, about all the ways in which you and me become we and what that means for all of us. It's really a show about connection. And I am your host, uh, J.D.K. Winnikin. You can find out more about me at my website, wordsbyjdk.com, and on my social media feeds at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look up J.D.K. Winnikin, and I should be right there, ready to hear from you. Uh, welcome to episode 21 of this show for May 31st, 2021, Memorial Day. Uh, a Always a big year in the American calendar. Uh, it's certainly for... Uh, memorializing and remembering those who have lost their lives in service for this country. Uh, It's also seen as the beginning, sort of the unofficial kickoff of summer. Uh, And so it's always a a very active weekend and a very anticipated weekend. And so to kind of blend those two things together with this month's theme of play, which we'll be wrapping up today, I'm going to bring those two things together. I think it's, uh, if you're listening today, uh, you're going to want to hear a little bit about Memorial Day. And how that fits. And it's interesting to me, to start this off, that a day that is about remembrance, a very solemn day, uh, one of reflection, one of remembrance, one of sorrow uh, for many, particularly for family members who have lost loved ones uh, in the service of this country, that we associate the weekend with excitement and play and fun. It's a really interesting dichotomy between the two. And so I'm going to explore that a little bit today and to wrap up our discussion of play. And so I've titled uh, today's show, Playing with Freedom. Playing with Freedom. It's it's certainly this idea that that the reason why we memorialize those who have died in service of this country is because they have died for the ideals of this country and for the practices of this country. And that is what we remember. And it's one of the reasons why uh, I think we do have this weekend that is dedicated to that. And it does make sense for us to play Uh, on a weekend like this, even though it's for a very solemn occasion. I'll talk a little bit about how I see those things fitting together as we go. And as you all know, I start off every show with a haiku. And so today's haiku in honor of Memorial Day and this theme goes like this. Those who sacrificed the ultimate for us all want us to share life. Those who sacrificed the ultimate for us all want us to share life. And so, excuse me, with that, let's talk a little bit uh, about this. First of all, I I hope you're all having a wonderful weekend uh, and getting rest and getting a lot of play. We've talked all month uh, on this show about the importance of play, that open-ended, unstructured, spontaneous, joyful, creative process that we see so readily in children. and, And we've talked a lot about wanting to cultivate that in children but also that we can rediscover for ourselves as adults and engage in and the importance of it to not just our social life, but our own personal development, our own sense of connection with ourselves and with others, whether that be family member, friends, partners, colleagues, whoever. So I hope you're having a wonderful time uh, celebrating uh, all of those things because Memorial Day is a time to do that. Because Memorial Day, of course, is a day to remember that all the things that matter to us and the freedoms that we care about uh, oftentimes come with a price. And the ultimate price, of course, for those who have died, the hundreds of thousands of Americans in American history who have died in America's wars and service overseas, uh, it's a really important uh, part of recognizing why what we have and what we seek to cultivate in our individual lives, in our community, and in our nation is so important and, frankly, so rare. And so what I wanted to talk about today was how these two things fit together, play and freedom. And you might remember a couple episodes ago, I referred to a report from the American Academy of Pediatrics back in 2007 or so. And they talked about the importance of play as a fundamental human right for children in particular, but pointed out that for many children around the world who live in unsafe environments, unsafe countries, play is not an option. And the report talks about the devastating effect that can have on a child's development, on their self-esteem, on their ability to trust, on their ability to discover what it is in themselves that values, that is valuable to them and what they want to do with it. And so one of the things, of course, to celebrate is that this is a country that uh, for the most part allows for play. Now, certainly there are kids everywhere uh, in all 50 states who don't live in safe environments necessarily. That could be family, that could be a neighborhood, uh, that could be a city, uh, wherever. And so this thing can be tough. And yet the two things do go together. So if freedom, if part of freedom is to have the safety of self, to be safe physically, emotionally, mentally, creatively, then it seems to follow that that freedom is connected directly to play and the health of that for those who can engage in it. In case that seems a bit opaque, let me uh, unpack that a little bit. Let's think about the unspoken rules of the playground for a minute. The best playgrounds are the ones where, you know, kids are playing, And they may not know each other, right? Think of the community, you know, park where kids come together and there's equipment, there's merry-go-round, there's the slides, there's the weird ring things, there's those horse things that bob back and forth on springs that I don't know how they operate that way. But certainly the unwritten rules are you all share the space, (laughs) you all wait your turn, right, to do things, you help others, you connect with others. And there's that give and take of the playground. Kids join into a game that's already happening, maybe some other kids are doing, and they ask, can I play? And the unspoken rule is, is that yes, you can play. Or you say clearly, well, let us finish this and then you can play. It's such a wonderful environment for kids and it's a reason why people take their kids to parks and to socialize with other kids, to create environments, create worlds, as we've talked about in previous episodes, create worlds that kids can master on their own with hypothetical creative situations that they can conquer that they can work through we bring our kids to those all the time and of course if that area becomes unsafe guess what falls apart all the play and all the benefits of that if there's kids that are shoving other kids off you know <laughs> off the top of the slide there's a problem and it's going to shut down all of that and it and it undercuts the freedom and the safety that all those kids have in that shared space. Those unspoken rules of the playground work because when they work, because they, that is the best way for those kids to engage with one another, engage with themselves, and to develop positively. So play is tied inextricably to freedom if it's going to be healthy and productive. And that freedom, you noticed, doesn't just involve those individual kids. It involves their interactions with one another as well. The give or take, the allowance for other people to be in that space, the respecting of their bodily space, the respective of their emotional state, respective of their own creative expression. All those things work on the playground. Now let's take a little bit of a leap and let me suggest that the, those really good rules of the playground are really good rules for a free society in general, right? And think about it. Every individual you come together in this free society and there's this understanding that we want to have the freedom to play, to have our thoughts and words respected, to have our physical space and physical bodies respected, But then also there's the expectation that we will do the same for somebody else. We don't get to claim that for ourselves and then abuse that in somebody else, right? The rules of the playground are not that some kid gets to come in and determine everything that's going to happen and then bully all the other kids into it and then say, hey, don't push me back. That's not how it works. We all agree to that when it comes to the playground rules. (laughs) And yet we seem to get a little muddy on it. Uh, When it comes to these larger societal rules, it's what the uh, in a completely different context, it's what uh, the philosopher John Locke over 250 years ago referred to as the social contract. And others have referred to that as well. There is a social contract of the playground and social contract of play in general, particularly when it's between people. If it's if it's solo play, it's one thing. But if it's other people together, there is a social contract. You don't abuse one another. You don't run over the other. You don't disparage the other. You allow that space to exist and then cooperate together to create the best play experience possible. And so to play this out a little further on that playground analogy, if something goes really wrong at the playground, right, and authorities have to be called in, right, a real dire situation, right, and those, those kids have to be protected, That's where this Memorial Day idea can come in, because frankly, taking those rules of playground out and applying to a larger society, when that larger society has been in threat in American history by outside forces in particular, but on some occasions inside forces, the Civil War. Then people are called to the duty to protect that space, to protect those rules, that social contract. The rules both spoken and unspoken, the moral and ethical principles of the quote unquote playground or the society, that is when those things have to be defended. And those things do have to be defended. When push comes to shove, sometimes that has to happen. And the American story, particularly around its wars, uh, is particularly powerful around this because not necessarily every war certainly doesn't have the same origin. It really didn't have the same uh, catalysts. It didn't have the same results. And we don't share the same opinion of every single American war that we do. Speaking historically, this is the historian hat in me that I'm putting on right now. World War II is known by many as the good war, quote unquote, because it was very clear that who we were fighting against in that war, the Nazis in particular, but also fascist Italy, imperial Japan. We're out to essentially destroy what we would call those unspoken rules of the playground or of society that we all agree on, that we think is best at its at its most ideal for our overall development. Very few people question whether that war was right to fight or not. The same question is the same question is not applied or the same opinion is not applied to the Vietnam War. And yet on Memorial Day, we don't draw those distinctions. At least we shouldn't in my opinion, that somebody died for a good cause or somebody died for a poor cause. The fact of the matter is, seems to me, that those who have died in service of this country, we memorialize them because they put themselves out there, whether they wanted to be there or not, whether they agreed with what was happening or not, or the decision to send them to wherever they were fighting or not. They went, they served, they protected to the best of their ability the decisions of the country that was making the decisions to the best of their ability to defend that social contract the way we understand it. And in the United States, we have this belief that many of the things that we enshrine, our freedoms in particular, are really universal, ones that should apply to all humans everywhere. And I would say at our best, that is 100% true. The fact that we don't always reach that ideal is something to be reckoned with but it doesn't change the necessity or the need or our focus on understanding that sacrifices to protect that can and do happen. And will continue because human beings, just like kids on the playground, human beings are human beings. The social contract is powerful, but there's always that tension between individual and collective identity and what is good for an individual versus what is good for society. You can find it everywhere, right? It's referenced in movies. It's referenced in books, this constant tension and human beings fall short. And despite the written and unwritten rules of the playground, kids break them. So it does happen. And those interventions have to happen. And so I guess for me, it's why when I think about, wow, this heavy, somber day, rightfully so, to remember those sacrifices. It makes sense to me from this point of view that we then play. Because if protecting the freedom to be who we are, to grow in a healthy environment as individuals, families, communities, cities, states, nations, world. If that is going to be important to us, if that is going to be something that we cherish and honor, if that is something that we want to continue to hand on to generations after generations, then it does need to be embraced, frankly, as a mm, something worthy of defending. And then because it's worthy of defending, we can then honor those who have defended it by engaging in it, by saying, this is the free society that has been protected. Let us make sure we honor what they do, what they've done by playing in it, by living in it, by honoring that contract, by allowing ours and other people's creativity to flourish to allow other people to be seen in our space and to ask to be seen in their space in a healthy way that pays nothing but dividends. It seems to me at its best. And so I've had people ask me before, isn't it weird that we spend so much time on a somber day out partying, (laughs) right? People are going camping. People are going on trips. People are going to baseball games. People are enjoying family barbecues. People are doing any number of things on Memorial Day. Is it strange, people have asked me, that we're doing all that in light of what the occasion is actually about? And I guess I would say at first blush, yeah, it does seem strange. But as I di- I've been digging into that, prepping for today, I've seen I don't think it's that strange. Because as my haiku talks about, if we were to ask those, who sacrificed all those things. What what would they want us to do on a day like that? I don't think any of them would say beyond remember me. They would say, you should be somber all day long. Wear black and stay indoors. <laughs> you know, I don't think any of them would say that. Those were not the things that they loved about whatever town, state, city they came from. When they went off to fight, those weren't the things they cared about. Those weren't the things that they thought about while they were doing those things, while they were off fighting, while they were off suffering, they weren't thinking about those things. They were thinking about the joyful things that they could hopefully get back to. They were thinking about the small, beautiful things that made life worth living, the families they left at home, the loves and the partners they left at home, the activities, the jobs, They thought about, in some ways, the playground. And for us, it seems to me, the challenge then becomes something a little bit bigger. It becomes not just about one day on the calendar that we take. It becomes then about what does that one day do? How does it point us in a direction for the rest of the year? And... I guess that's one reason why you might be able to hear it in my voice a little bit. I get pretty fired up about these things. Because there's an urgency to this that I think we can be in danger of losing. In the blitz of the media around politics, around the challenges in society. Pick an issue. Pick a location. It can get lost in all the fear that can get kicked up about the fate of the country, the fate of the world. And those things are worth paying attention to. What I think is interesting is Memorial Day can serve, I think, frankly, better on this level than, say, the 4th of July, the nation's birthday. This day can serve better, I think, as a compass point to point us in the right direction when we start, when we get away from the big slogans the big, (laughs) you know, the euphemisms about the American experiment and the American experience. And we focus on the fact that people have died for this. There's a better, there's no better compass point than that. Because when people die for things they believe in or are sent to do so and don't come back, that is that is an investment that's a much bigger investment than words written or spoken that's a much bigger investment and a bigger statement than i think anything else we can come up with and we try to encapsulate it right in our in our national anthem we try to encapsulate it right In our famous writings, presidents like Abraham Lincoln speaking at Gettysburg, a battlefield of the Civil War, talking about the importance of this sacrifice. And so Memorial Day for me, the more I think about it, takes on that type of urgency for me. Because if you've had the experience like I've had, where you've been to Gettysburg, or you've been to Arlington National Cemetery, just outside Washington, D.C., or for me, most powerfully, the American Cemetery at Normandy, or at Omaha Beach in Normandy, France, you see firsthand and experience firsthand that the things we talk about, the things that we battle about, the things that matter to us on our quote-unquote playground, people have died for. These are not metaphorical things. These are not theoretical things. They are very, very real. And the way we honor those who have died, defending these, this social contract, the way we honor them best is by choosing how to best live. Seems to me. And so for me, the joy of the playground, I think about a lot these days. And the fun for me in doing these monthly themes is that I'm always really sitting with whatever the theme happens to be for the month. And what I've learned over this month myself and in talking with all of you about how play works and how and what it does is I've learned that, wow, when I engage in play, I am present. I am creative. I'm feeling joyful. I'm feeling connected with myself. And it's so much easier for me to connect with others from that space than anything else. And I happen to live in a place where I can do that where I can have that joy, I have options for play, I have places I can go, I have people I can see, I have activities I can do, where I can connect with myself and other people and I can do it in relative safety compared to a lot of other places in the world and compared to a lot of other places and times in history. And that to me gives it the urgency. This isn't the norm historically. Kids haven't been able to play the way we can have them play today throughout the human experience going back centuries. just hasn't been that way. We have the potential in this modern society, in this ever-growing society, to create safer and safer spaces for kids and for play, and safer and safer spaces for the social contract that we all share beyond the kids' playground. And that's why for me, as as... We go forward here. I think sometimes I'm guilty of this and I don't know if you guys are too. I can overcomplicate how things are or what the key issues should be addressed in what order or whatever. And I'm starting to think that a good starting point at any point for these things is to remember the unspoken rules of the playground to play with that freedom prevents us from messing around and destroying or hurting that freedom. I'll finish with a real quick story. Uh, A number of years ago, I took a group of college students to Auschwitz in Poland. The day before that, we'd been in Berlin, capital of Germany. And in Berlin in 1942, there'd been a secret meeting where the Nazis had told the rest of the Nazi party that it was the number one priority of Hitler to kill all the Jews of Europe and they were gonna do it in secret and everybody needed to get in line and stay out of the way or participate. And I wanted my students to see that place and then 24 hours later we were in Auschwitz. So in Berlin where it was decided upon, Auschwitz where we remembered or where it was implemented. And so we got there and we had a guide uh, Jewish woman and we were getting ready to go in and of course my students were very overwhelmed by the sights of everything there and this bus full of kids from Israel pulled in and the kids got off the bus with their teachers and they were they were being kids they were playing around they were laughing they were goofing around a little bit and just just in the parking lot and my students were really uncomfortable watching this it seemed like the place you shouldn't be doing this and the guide noticed this and she said to me Everybody who would have died here would want those kids to be laughing. And one of my students said, you know what? This place is a monster, Auschwitz, but it's a dead monster. People from this country died to help end that. And it allowed those kids to be laughing. It allowed those kids to feel safe to play. So happy Memorial Day to all of you out there. Thanks for listening to this episode of this show is about you, all about you. Next month, we're going to be talking history. So come on in next time for the show. I am your host, JDK Winniken Thanks very much for your time today. Enjoy your play. And until next time, chins up, everyone.